there is a movement towards limiting the number of consecutive hours that residents work in an effort to improve physician health and patient safety. But we need to be careful about change for change's sake. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ, and today we're speaking with Dr. Thomas Maniatis, Internal Medicine Training Program Director and Clinical Ethicist at McGill. Dr. Maniatis is the author of a commentary linked to a recent CMAJ research paper by Dr. Pasharam and colleagues on the topic of resident duty hour reform. Hello, Dr. Maniatis. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about your commentary, which is linked to a research paper about resident duty schedules. So resident duty schedules have undergone much change in the past few years in Canada. Can you tell us about this shift and what started it? I think it probably started, it's rooted in the Institute of Medicine patient safety movement. There's a report the Institute of Medicine put out in 1999 on to air is human, and that kind of got things going looking at the patient safety movement. From there, uh, a number of changes initially got set up in the U.S., and then uh, in Quebec in July of 2012, uh, working conditions for residents were negotiated with a 16-hour limit for activities for residents, uh, as well as a 12-hour limit for overnight work. And I would say that's really what ignited things in Canada. The Royal College at the same time established a National Steering Committee on Resident Duty Hours in 2012, and um, I think that's what got everything started. And now are we looking at duty hour reform across the country? Well, I think uh, since 2012, all of the jurisdictions across Canada have been looking at this issue try, uh, once Quebec uh, made the change and have really been trying to say, is this a direction we're going to go? When are we going to go in that direction? And what's the basis for a change? And I think that's been some of the critical questions that all the jurisdictions across Canada have been asking. So the article that links to your commentary, which is a research article, has some findings which we've discussed in an interview with the lead author, Dr. Pasharam. And you mention in your commentary the need to look in a nuanced way at the findings that this study provides. What caught your eye particularly? I think that it's a, it's a study that found um, no improvement in patient safety, resident well-being, and continuity of care. So they were, they, were, they were unchanged when looking at the three different schedules. In terms of some of the nuances, um, there were some things, for example, potential source of bias, such as the inability to conceal the schedule, was obviously something to consider. The other factor that was important was that the uh, information exchange or handovers were not observed or documented. And given that information loss during signovers is one of the biggest concerns, uh, that is hypothesized to impact on patient safety, that's a really important unmeasured confounder that could have affected the results of the study. What, what, what I found particularly intriguing was actually the resident well-being piece. In fact, what this study documented nicely was that the residents who entered the study had an, uh, had an equivalent rate of burnout symptoms as when they ended the study and there was no significant change from this relatively short-term intervention and so um, although one would have liked to see a change I think uh, the evidence around burnout suggests that it takes a long time to get burnt out and a long time to improve from that state so at that point um, it would be interesting to see the impact of a more longer-term intervention on resident well-being Okay, that's really interesting. So looking towards the future, are we now developing a picture of what resident duty rotors should look like? 
So I think it's still premature to say that we have a good evidence base to support a particular type of uh, duty hour model or scheduling system. And I think actually a one-size-fits-all model is probably not the right way to go. I do think, though, that we're getting a, very, a nice clear idea about what things we should be looking at as we are studying in more detail different duty hour models in different contexts. For example, while this study also highlighted things like resident well-being, patient safety, and continuity of care, there'd be other things like effectiveness of uh, handoff of information, uh, effects on faculty, and attending well-being, I think that should should be integrated into the future. So I don't think we're quite there yet in terms of which model, and I think, again, one-size-fits-all one may not be the way to go, but I think the types of questions, how we ask them, and how we get at uh, moving ahead in this area certainly becoming clearer as we move forward. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Thomas Maniatis, internal medicine specialist and clinical ethicist at McGill. To read his commentary, which is called Resident Duty Hour Reform, Moving Beyond Change for Change's Sake, visit cmaj.ca. There you can also find the linked research paper and the interview podcast with the author of the research paper, Dr. Parsharam.